0: Well praise the Lord everyone, the Lord. it's the Lord. good to see you tonight, thank you for being here, thank you for joining us online as you gather in tonight, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer, we have many prayer requests, we have a lot of things to be thankful for, amen, and we're going to just go into the word of the Lord, tonight I'll be teaching you about be holy, amen, we're going to talk about holiness, we're going to talk about practical holiness, we're going to just delve into the command that we have of being holy, so tonight i'm looking forward to this lesson so let's begin with prayer tonight what do you say father we thank you tonight for your love and your kindness lord i ask that you meet us here tonight that you just minister to us and that lord all of those that would join us online either tonight or in the weeks to come lord i want you to bless them let them put their eyes on that they can see what your word says and open their heart that they can hear with an open spirit In Jesus' name, we pray these things, and everyone say, Amen. 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 So tonight, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit just to minister to us, and we're going to talk about Be Holy. So, I want to take us to the Word of the Lord. We find in 1 Peter 1 and 15, 1 Peter 1 and 15. If you're at home, you can uh, look in your Bible or on your phone, and it says this, But just as He who called you is holy, speaking of Jesus, so be holy in what all what you do. So he's not just talking about holiness as in your private life, just when you're alone. He's talking about being being holy before the Lord in all that you do, in the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you do things in your life. And then he says this, be holy, everybody say be holy, holy. Uh, because I am holy, the Lord says. How many are thankful we serve a holy God? A God that is beyond the stretch of man's uh, corruption, a God that is above all sin, that is, uh, encapsulate what is holy. Uh, We can talk about what is holy, and tonight we're going to to delve into a, a part of that. Um, if you look in the scripture, we never find an absolute definition of holiness. We are commanded to be something we will never be. I want you to think about that for a second. We are commanded to be something we can never be. We can never be holy because why? Only He is holy. Our holiness is based on His love, His sacrifice on Calvary, His grace that is extended to us, His mercy that lifts us from our sin. So our holiness, being holy, is not a command to try to live in this outward flesh, something that we can never achieve. It is a call to change our spirits in order to connect to the one that can make us holy. So don't just be holy. That's that's not the essence of this. It is be holy because God is holy. That is the essence. So in God's holiness, we become holy. Do you see that? We become the holiness of God when we walk according to His word and obey His commands. So you and I could never perform enough, do enough, act uh, dress in a way, be in a way to be holy. It's impossible by the scriptures. We know that we cannot save ourselves. So in this moment, I want you to capture what does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to be holy? So we're going to go into that and talk about it. Now, I want to take your attention to that there are two types of trees in the scripture. There are two types. There's a bad tree, which is the worst of the flesh. And in a minute, we're going to talk about the good tree and the fruits of the Spirit. We know that Jesus cursed a fig tree. We know that there was a moment where He said it did not bear fruit, and I'm going to hewn it down. And I'm going to cut it down. We can talk a lot about that. But I want to take you to Galatians 19 here. And uh, talk to you about the works of the flesh. How we want to save ourselves, and how that work of our flesh is not holy. It's not pure. The Bible says in Galatians 19 and verse 19, or Galatians uh, 5 rather, and 19. Uh, now the works of the flesh are manifest. That word "manifest" means you can see them. They are open for examination. The works of the flesh are manifest which are these. And then he gives us a list of things. Uh, Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions and heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I told you before... As I have also told you in times past that they which do such things, everybody say, do such things, yes. shall what not inherit the kingdom of God. So we can see that the flesh produces, it manifests, it gives us a fruit. When we live by our flesh and according to our flesh, we will produce the fruit of adultery. It will manifest in us the fruit of fornication, the fruit of uncleanliness. You'll see that we can go down the entire list. Those fruits of that bad tree, that tree that is not a part of God's plan for our life, that work of the flesh can be saw in this particular passage. Now. Later in this same book, a few verses later, we find the good tree, the good tree, the fruit of the Spirit. We know that every tree beareth fruit. This, Jesus was pretty emphatic about that. I, I didn't quote that passage, but he if you study the words of Jesus in, in the New Testament, you're going to find that He was emphatic, that you are going to produce something in your life. You cannot be neutral. There's no place in the scriptures where we find a spiritual neutrality that's not possible you either are going to produce good fruit or you're going to produce bad fruit I I know people that have trouble with this idea because they really believe they can stay in neutral in the gray and do nothing and it's okay and that doesn't bear out in the scriptures whatsoever you're going to produce out of one of two trees the good tree or the bad tree. You will manifest the fruit that comes from those trees. The good tree or the bad tree. The good tree produces the fruit of the Spirit. You can look behind me or follow me in Galatians 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Right? Joy. Peace. Long-suffering. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Meekness temperance against such there is no law so we learn very quickly that the fruit of the spirit everybody say fruit of the spirit fruit of the spirit is going to produce things that are spiritual everybody say spiritual I was speaking to somebody recently and it dawned on me that the person I was speaking to as they love God and they were good person they were not spiritual They didn't have a consistent prayer life by their own admission. They were struggling in areas of Bible reading and commitment to God. And I realized in the moment that I could not talk to them about spiritual things yet. That I had to get them to an altar and pray and get them to a place of repentance. Because in the moment, they were living in carnality. They were living in a place where spiritual things did not make sense to them. So I backed off of my conversation with them and I said, hey, we need to get to a place of of prayer. We need to get to a place. And so we began that journey of prayer and repentance because I could not reach them in a spiritual sense and the carnality, the sin that they were living in. Someone say amen. Uh, And it's one of those things that we have to look at and understand that there are absolutely fruit that we, now as Christians, as living for God, there's going to be times where we have fruit that we go, oh man, that is stinky. That is not good. I need to fix that. That's okay. That's good. That's an acknowledgement that, hey, I'm a sinner and I need grace and mercy and I need to repent. It's when you let that fruit hang on your branches and you think it's okay. You think it's no big deal. It's when you don't remove that from your life. And you think that you can grow good fruit, love, along with idolatry or wickedness or witchcraft, right? You have to decide. That's why God gives us grace. That space of decision to decide whether we will obey the command of God and the pricking of Him to our heart to say, "Hey." Repent from your wicked ways. Uh, we look at this and say, well, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Yes, it is love, and it's joy, and it's peace. You'll notice that it's a singular fruit. <laughs> that it's a, a fruit that is not, it's not the fruits. It's no, there's no S on the back of that fruit. If I were writing the sentence, I would say the fruits, because there's multiple things But God sees us as a totality, as an entity. He calls us the body of Christ. And when my toe is stubbed, my head knows it. And when my arm is bleeding, the rest of my body responds. And so it is in the spirit realm. If you don't have love, it's going to affect your long suffering. If you don't have long suffering, it's going to affect your faith. They are combined. They are pulled together. They are a single fruit manifest in different ways in our life and in our lives, living it out before the people and before the world. So meekness, temperance, there is no law against these things. You can do these things freely and you can do them abundantly. But you have to understand you have a choice which fruit. Will you be holy? Not that you can become by your own flesh and blood, Oh no, but by the love, the blood of Christ, and the mercy and grace that He extends through that blood. Will we be holy under Him? His righteousness. Paul writes and says, our righteousness is what? Filthy rags. So we cannot become righteous. We cannot become holy. Only He is holy. Only is He righteous. It's when we put on His cloak, when we put on His blood, His name, That we can stand in assurance that He makes me holy. But when I step out of that, no amount of my actions will remove that sin from me. I've got to repent. I've got to recognize I need Jesus to make me holy. So be holy because you need to stay under the umbrella of Jesus Christ and in His name, in His commands, and in His Word. Amen? So understand that tonight. Fruit of the Spirit. We're going to come back to that. Let me read to you out of Romans chapter 6. And it says this, but now being made free from sin, Paul writes, we studied this several weeks ago, uh, uh, out of Romans chapter 6, and become servants to God. Everybody say, servants to God. So I've decided I'm going to serve God. I'm no longer sinful. I'm no longer serving sin. It doesn't mean sin won't enter my life by my frailty as a human and me have to repent again. We're not... And the Scripture does not teach that once you're saved, you're always saved. You must make conscious decision on an ongoing basis before the throne of grace and mercy to say, Lord, I need you, please forgive me from the sin that does so easily beset me. So we look and see that we're made free from sin. And not only made from sin, but that makes us become servants of God. You can't serve Satan and be a servant of God. You can't serve two masters. Ye have your fruit. Here it is. Watch this closely as Paul writes to us. Ye have your what? Fruit. Notice it's the same singular word. It's not the uh, fruits. You have your fruit unto holiness. This reference is the same reference. It is reference to what? The fruit of the Spirit. You have this fruit. Fruit that you produce, and that fruit is what makes you holy. When you love people, you become more like Jesus. When you're long suffering, you become more like Jesus. When you, you follow me? When you reject sin, you become more like Jesus. And you become a fruit that the world can see and the world can understand. It's not how you dress, it's not the, 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 the things you do or do not do. That plays a part. You can't dress lasciviousness and lewd and ungodly. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about trying to, I'm not talking about modesty. No, we gotta be modest. I'm talking about the fact that when we make man made rules to help us or make us think that we can become more holy, the more rules that we follow. That is the law. The law cannot save you. Understand tonight that you've been made free from sin. You've got to become a servant of God, right? And your fruit, what fruit? The fruit of the Spirit that you are producing by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ brings holiness unto holiness and in in the end everlasting life. Oh, this is so good. The everlasting life is the goal. And the only way to everlasting life is through Jesus Christ. <laughs> and the only way to get Jesus in, in, in our boat, right, To get is for us to be under His holiness, be under the shadow of the Almighty, to be in that place where we walk in His mercy and grace. So, verse 23, for the wages of sin, he reminds us, for the wages of sin is what? Death. Right? But the gift of God is eternal life where? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to just say this one more time that you can't serve God and Satan. You cannot be servants to both. You must decide who you're going to serve. And in that service, you've got to follow His plan. Not man's plan. Not your plan. Not my plan. The Word of God's plan for holiness. We look and see that the wages of sin still are death. We cannot take away our own sin. We need His love and grace to help us. So we talk about the good tree, right? The fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And we know that against there is no law. In Genesis, we're going to go and look very quickly about true holiness. We learn from Genesis some things that are so vital. If you've not read Genesis lately, you need to go and read the book of Genesis with fresh eyes. With deep thought and with great asking for revelation. And not just with knowledge, but get ye understanding. We find in Genesis, this is the beginning, it's chapter 1 and verse 11. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass. The herb-yielding seed. Can you everybody say seed? seed? Seed. In the very beginning, God could have made it where the trees and the plants, where they just reproduced, right? They just did, they just, you know, oh, there's. they just reproduced. But God put a system in place. God put something in place that was so magnificent and so special and so amazing. He put this idea of the seed inside. You will not open an orange and see apple seeds. You will not open an apple and see pumpkin seeds. Because a seed is relative to the fruit that it is grown in. A seed must follow the DNA path of I'm going to be what is being produced outside of me. I'm going to reproduce. And when you plant me, I will make more of what already is. This is so powerful. The herb yielding seed and the fruit yielding tree after his kind. Whose seed, everybody say whose seed Mm -hmm. is in itself. Brother Dan Tackett, you are producing the fruit of the Spirit. And in that fruit of the Spirit, there is seed. If you produce bad fruit, lust, hatred, idolatry, all that list, then when you plant You will produce that. You'll produce it in your family. You'll produce it in your friends. You'll produce it in your uh, surrounding friends and neighbors and those around you. Why? Because you are going to reproduce what you are. You're going to reproduce. Now, thank God. Someone say thank God. God. He is a giver of new life. A starter of new things. All things new. Behold, all things have passed away. We have that promise, but that's our choice. Do we continue to bear bad fruit and reproduce bad seed? Here we find that it says this, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. Verse 12, And the earth brought forth grass, and the herb yielding seed after His kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed, there it is again, was in itself after His kind. And God saw... That it was good. Why is love such a big deal? Because you cannot produce hatred if you love. You cannot produce love if you hate. You can't have both. You can't have half hate and half love. It's like saying there's a half truth. There's no such thing as a half truth. It's either a lie or truth. Half-truth suggests that somehow there might be some truth in the sentence or in the idea. And our God and the Word of God says that it's no such thing, that it's either truth or it's a lie. It's one or the other. And in our lives, we can't produce love one day and hatred the next. It goes to our character. It goes to inside. We produce. Our seed is within ourself. That's why we need Jesus every day. That's why we need repentance every day. That's why we need the Holy Ghost every day. That's why we need the in tongues every day. Why? Because we are refreshing our spirit, our Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. Why? So that we don't reproduce us, flesh. We reproduce who? Jesus Christ, our Savior. I don't want to reproduce Nate Nix. I want to reproduce Nate Nix in Christ Jesus. I want to work not according to my flesh, but according to the Spirit. The earth brought forth whose seed was in it. So this is so important. When we are in our experience and we encounter people, you must instruct with love. When they think they can live how they please, and think they're going to produce righteous and holy things. That's why I'm a pastor. That's why when I preach, it's with conviction and with heaviness. Why? Because I know I'm telling people, including all of us, including you watching, that you've got to turn your life wholly and totally to Jesus Christ in order to be saved. We think that, and we have this concept, especially in the Western church, that. We can do what we please. We can pick and choose what we like, and we can uh, take away. And we—well, it's not how I interpret it. It doesn't matter how I or you interpret it. What does thus saith the word of God, as God would speak it to our hearts and to us as a people? Someone say, "Amen." So, what seed? What seed is produced in the fruit that you are producing? What seed are you producing in your life, in your family's life, in your friends, your neighbor's, your church's life? You need to make sure you check that the seed you think you're producing is the fruit that you're bearing. If you think you're producing love and yet you're bearing the fruit of hatred, you need to reflect and understand you cannot do both at the same time. Someone say amen. Listen to these parables. You're going to hear a lot about these parables in the coming months. But watch this. In Matthew thirteen eighteen. the Bible says, and this is Jesus talking, and there, hear ye therefore, Jesus said, the parable of the sower. So we know that Jesus started in Genesis with seed. You can read throughout history and how many times the Word of God uses the word seed when it references uh, Abraham's promise, when it references these wonderful major big things in the Scripture. Seeds are a constant reminder of this. That what we are is what we will produce. We hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom. ever say of the kingdom. Uh, heareth the word of the kingdom. And understandeth it not. Then cometh the wicked one. Hear me closely today. When you hear the word of God and you don't have clear understanding... You can have knowledge without understanding. We don't have revelation when you don't understand to the fullest of what God is trying to say. The enemy knows it. The enemy understands his opportunity. I can use the Word of God to confuse them. I can use the Word of God to cause them to think something or believe a lie. Did you hear what I just said? This is what the Scripture said. The enemy, the wicked one, comes in. And what? Catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This passage is so important to especially those that are trying to lead others. You must be wary of people that come through and speak into, why do I protect that podium so much? Because I do not want confusion to come, and the enemy use that confusion to steal the faith that you have in your heart. Because it happens all the time. I've seen it, you've seen it, and some of you have even experienced it. Where the Word of God is actually used against you because it's not the fullness or contextual Word of God. It is manipulated by man to make it say what it will to please the flesh. And in our lives, we must be watchmen on the wall for that. We must... Be pure in our definition and in our translation of God's word. Why? Because if we're not careful, we will allow Satan to come in that confusion, and he will catch away that which was sown in his heart. That seed that was supposed to be sown in faith gets caught away or taken out by the devil. This is he. Uh, this is he which received seed. By the wayside, but he that receiveth seed in stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, they sit in church, right, and along with joy receiveth it. Man, they're excited. They're man. I just the word of God just come to me. I see it. I yet he hath not rooted himself or root in himself, but dureth for a while. He endures for a little bit. Here is the the, the sin of the church is that we have people that come and they're glad to hear it, but we have no follow-up and discipling of people that have heard the Word. And there is this whole unrooted seed. It's laying on top of the ground. It's starting to sprout, but it's not protected from the birds of the air or the sun or the weather. And it only endures for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, hear me, because of the word, the word went forth. The enemy is now using it to his own demise, his own ways, his own He's coming in and trying to take it away so he he's using this as, he knows this guy's not rooted. He knows he sees he observes he knows that he's only going to endure a little while and when he endures, he gets discouraged in tribulation he gets upset in persecution and why because he had the word revealed to him and nobody came along and helped him bury that word in his heart. This is heavy. this is real. Why? By and by he is offended. He also that receiveth seed amongst the thorns, he is that heareth the word. Or if I say heareth the word, right, this is all coming. The root of this, so to speak, is coming from the word of God. And there's bad things happening. Why? Is God's word evil? No. It is what? The result of how the seed is laying and where it was cast and why we didn't come along as a sower and cover it up or move it to healthy ground. He's talking to the sower. He's talking to the church. He's talking to pastors. He's talking to you as saints. We are responsible to come along those that are receiving the Word of God and help them gain ground roots help them not to wither and die and be offended and that's right by the word and here's what happens to the hearts of those that are offended by the word they now begin to judge all things by that offense i'm not going back to church i'm not I'm a, I'm, i don't believe in god i don't because there's this this thing that the enemy came in and swept it away Here, watch this. Receive amongst the thorns that he heareth the word and and the cares of this world. We've read this so many times and we've made it sound like that the cares, we've read this and preached this as as pastors about the church and how the cares of this world has swept you away. No, no, this is talking about people that are just new seeds. This is about the people that the word of God was sown. We went out into the highways and byways and we may have sown word, but we weren't. We weren't fastidious. We were not careful in following up. And the cares of this world, they got caught up. They and the deceitfulness of riches, and they choked the word. And he became what? Unfruitful. Unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into good ground is he that what? Heareth the word, he understands it, which also beareth fruit. So Good ground is absolutely, you're going to bear fruit. And it's going to be good fruit. And bring it forth, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. In our lives, we must always be checking for those we're bringing along. I'm so aware of all the people I'm teaching Bible studies to right now. Because I'm expounding the Word. I'm making them question. I'm bringing spiritual things into their life. By the way, the spirit realm is real, ladies and gentlemen. And we are teaching a home Bible study in a home. There's going to be spiritual warfare. You better pray against that and help them understand that it's going to come. Why? Because, well, persecution and tribulation and the cares of this world and all of those things will play a part. We are are fiduciaries. We are protectors of God's Word in the hearts of men and women. So what does Paul write in Corinthians? 1 Corinthians, we're going to look in chapter fifteen, and verse thirty-five. Again, we're talking about holiness, true holiness. But some of us may ask, how will the dead raise? We're going to move into this this whole concept of the seed and why this this constant reminder of the seed throughout the scriptures. And what kind of body will they have? We've been asking that, right? We we've been. Uh, We've debated that. We've talked. We've had fun uh, developing our thoughts and theories about this. What a foolish question. (laughs) I'm like, oh boy, here we go. (laughs) I've been asking a foolish question, right? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow as a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. When God gives it the new body He wants it to have, a different plant grows from each kind of seed. We look in First John chapter 3. And for the sake of time, I, I'm just going to... I'm on slide twelve, and I got twenty some slides, so I'm trying to move. first uh, John three chapter seven, right uh, verse seven, rather chapter three, verse seven. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that commit, co- uh, commit a sin is of the devil. Well, that's pretty plain, isn't it? <laughs> what does that mean? If you commit sin, you're unrepentant about it, you're of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. Did you know that? Satan was the first sinner. The angels were the next sinners. Did you know that? Sin wasn't something we were supposed to experience. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest. He came. He showed His fruit. That He might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus didn't come to buffet the works of the devil. He didn't come to make you feel better about the works of the devil. He came to what? destroy the works of the devil whosoever is born of god doth not commit sin i'm going to say that one more time well pastor i'm 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 a christian and i'm saved and i'm filled with the holy spirit and and i still sin have to repent yeah i know that's not who he's talking about contextually he's not talking about that he's talking about when you commit sin that's unrepented the concept is this grace covers you god does not see we know from scripture that god does not consider you a sinner under grace until you walk out of that grace and into sin freely we've talked about that many times so it's not that we don't sin we need forgiveness some people read this and say well I'll, i'll never be saved right Because I sin every day and I have to ask God to help me. Yeah, me and you both. That's why He gave us forgiveness. That's why He shed His blood. That's why we have grace in our uh, uh, lives. He's saying to them here in 1 John, He's saying, "If, if you are committing sin, purposeful sin, sin that is unrepentant, sin that is a part of your lifestyle, not just a mistake, you are of the devil. Whosoever is born of God is not gonna uh, born. Your DNA is God. You're born again. You follow that? You're not gonna commit so for he is for what? Here it is. His what? Seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin. He cannot sin. Does that mean we don't sin? No. As long as your seed, as long as you're producing the fruit, and that seed is producing. You are under grace and mercy, and you are not going to be counted as a sinner. You're going to be counted as righteous in the name of Jesus, under the blood of Christ, and through the mercy and grace of God. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, no. Paul said, God forbid. But that space of grace, that's why it's called grace. The place between you sin and God confronts you and says, remove it from your life or you're going to be turned over to sin. Sister Roseanne? So we can look at this. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. There's that seed, that thing that's inside of you that's pure and holy, that intent, that heart that God knows better than you know. Right? And he cannot sin because he is what? Born of God. You're born again in the spirit. We, we can spend all the rest of the night in First John chapter 3. It's so powerful. Listen, Romans 6 and 19. We read this uh, a few months ago, and, and I read it a portion of it earlier tonight. I speak after the manner of men because of the affirmity of your flesh. I would say, I have a sickness called sin. Amen? I have a sickness called sin. It's the affirmity. It's the sickness of my flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to what? Unclean and to iniquity. Unto iniquity. Even so now, yield your members, servants to what? right. Even so now. He said you may have been doing it three seconds ago, but you have a chance to even so now, yield your body, your soul, your heart, your mind, your spirit to God. Even so, yield your members, servants to righteousness unto what? Holiness. Holiness did not come... And then righteousness? Righteousness came and then holiness. Get it right. You're not holy by your own righteousness. First what came? The righteousness of Christ. And from the righteousness of Christ, we are made holy in His sight. Does that mean that we're holy? Oh no. <laughs> we're not. Never be holy. There's You can't find in the scriptures where we are holy. We're called to be holy. But never are we found to be holy because only God, the Bible says only God, only God is holy. There's only one holy God. So we look and see here that we are member servants to righteousness unto holiness. The only way we get to holiness is through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. For when we were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. <laughs> you had no righteousness, you were free from righteousness, right? Uh, verse 21. Here it is. What fruit ye had when in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? You were producing fruit. The constant reference to this fruit should be a key for you of understanding what God's trying to speak to us. This constant reminder that we are we are this thing that God created. And that we have a choice to make, good or evil. So what fruit is that you have in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. That fruit will e- bring death. But now being made free from sin and becoming servants of God, ye have your what? Fruit unto holiness. If you produce and live off the battery, you have fruit unto death. But if you live unto righteousness, unto the blood of Christ, unto mercy and the grace that God has bought for you on Calvary, you will produce this holiness, and it will end in everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. Clear choice. Wages of sin, gift of God. Tree of good, a tree of bad, tree of good. Flesh, spirit. Judgment, grace. Important. Is anybody getting anything out of this? Someone shout holy! Holy! we got to be holy! Holiness is not something we produce in our own life. We don't get together in a room and decide what's wrong and right. We produce holiness through the blood in the name of Jesus Christ. Holiness is holy and totally not about us. It's holy and totally about who Jesus is in our lives. Holiness. True holiness. We find in First Peter 1 and 15. But as He which hath called you is what? Holy. Who's called you? Jesus has called you. He is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written for be ye holy for what? I am holy. Holiness is not something I can produce. It is something that I can submit to. It is something that I can live unto. It is something that I can claim by the blood and the name of Jesus. It's nothing that I will ever obtain until I see Jesus himself. And I am called out. And I am given that crown. Someone say amen. amen. We find true holiness, right? And First Peter co- continues on. And if ye call on the Father who without respecter of persons, judge, judging according to every man's work. What you do on this earth matters. What you do in this life matters to God. Pass the time of your sojourning here in what? Fear. It's not fear as boo, I'm afraid. It's fear, I'm in awe of God and His mercy. For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things. You cannot be redeemed by something you do. Corruptible. Something that you wear. Something that you are. Something that you give to. Something that someone tells you you must do. No. As silver and gold from the vain conversations received by what? Traditions from your fathers. Traditions are going to kill the church. Uh, The problem with traditions is that we don't make them traditions. We make them heaven or hell. If we would just step back and say, this is our tradition. It doesn't matter if you do it because it's not going to take you to hell. But if you want to be a part of the club, well, then you need to, to try to perform these traditions. And they're just things that we do because we're a club. But if you want to serve Christ, this has nothing to do with your heaven and hell experience. The judgment that will come or not come in your life. This has to do with us and our traditions. Paul, Paul says, or Peter rather, writes here and says, "You've been called, and and there's the Father is no respecter of person. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care what they are. He doesn't care. What does he care about? He wants to know about your works. What have you done for him? What have you done in this life? And he says, pass the time. Pass the time of your sojourner here in fear, because we know that we are not redeemed by the things of man.'" silver and gold, or vain conversations received from the traditions of our fathers. Traditions, I want to insert this, by the word of God, you can read it on the screen, are vain, are, are vain conversations. Traditions of men are vain conversations. Not me talking, don't get mad at me, it's what the word of God says in the King James. They are vain from your vain conversation received by traditions of your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ. I love this. It's not about me, it's not about them, it's not about manuals, it's not about influence or or in, it's, it's about the blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We know that Lamb sacrificed for our sins, to take away the sins of the world. Stop living in vain conversations and traditions, but rather what? Live in fear of God. Live in that fear of awe that He loved you and saved you and is bringing you through to the end eternal life. So, what is real holiness? God is holy, we know that. And what separates us from God but what? Sin. Sin. God is holy, and this sin separates me from that holy God. So, what is holiness? Romans 6 and 12, Paul writes to us, He says, Let not sin control. If I say control, control the way you live. It's not that you won't sin. He's saying, don't let it control you. Don't let it become your master. Don't let it run your life. Let it be known as what it is. It's sin. Call sin what it is. And repent from that sin and move forward in Christ. So what does he say? Don't let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to what sinful desires is commanding us. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, Give yourselves, what? Completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Someone say hallelujah. For you no longer live. You're no longer a resident of that sinful place. You moved out of sin. You moved into grace and mercy, and the blood of Jesus. No longer live under the requirements. Why? For you are no longer live live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Anybody that says to me, oh man, your answer for everything is God's grace. Well, that's funny because Paul had the same answer for the Romans. Quit living under the requirements of the law because it can't save you. You've been freed from that. If you keep reading, you'll learn that you're very free from that. If you'll keep studying and understand, instead live under the freedom of God's grace. God purchased this grace on Calvary. Quit slapping grace. I know so many people are afraid of grace because they think, well, it's greasy grace. I can do whatever I want and get away with it. No, you, you are living in a wrong context of that word grace. God's grace is not some free frolic that you can do whatever you please. No, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. It requires repentance in order to stay within it. So Romans 6, uh, he goes on, still talking about true holiness. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? I just quoted this. Of course not. God's grace has set us free from the law, right? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? If you obey the law, you're a slave to the law. And you won't be saved. If you obey Christ and His mercy and His grace and the covenant that He purchased for you on Calvary, then you will have and experience eternal life. It sounds harsh, but it's the truth. You're going to be a slave to whatever you obey. That's not me, folks. That's the Word of God. That's contextual and absolute. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or, 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 you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. I say to people, you'll live holiness out. You'll live in a way that is godly if you will get God in you. You can't have both. So many people think that they're saved by their works, and we see clearly that they cannot be. We cannot be. Once you were slave to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey His teachings we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and now become slaves to righteousness living slaves to righteous living you cannot live unrighteous and be saved Romans 6 in verse 19 he says because of the weakness of our human nature someone say that's so true <laughs> I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this Paul writes I'm reading in the New Living. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led to even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. Become holy. Become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do what is right. Look, it's in the NLT in and the King James. Uh, for what is the result? You are now sh- Ashamed uh, of the things you used to do, things that ended in eternal doom. Right in the King James, it says, "What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death." Let's let's read those comparisons also here in verse twenty-two and twenty. For now you are free from the sin, the power of sin, and have become what slaves to God. Now you do things, those things which lead to holiness. You do those things which lead to holiness. What is that? You produce fruit of the Spirit. You allow your fruit, and that fruit produces holiness as a result eternal life. But now you're being free to sing in the King James and become servants to God, having your fruit into holiness and ending an everlasting life. We can read in Matthew. This is Jesus talking in Matthew chapter seven and verse twenty. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. By what you're producing, you're gonna be known in the kingdom. He, he he says to us in his disciples, "I'll know you're my disciple how you what produce fruit, love one another." It won't be by your works. It won't by be by how, how much you give in the community or, or serve in a soup kitchen. It won't be by those things. It'll be how you love one another. John thirteen thirty five, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Holiness is a product of love, not a product of man's traditions. Hebrews 12, Paul writes, and I'm getting close to being done. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 10. What does it say? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that when we might share into his holiness. So that we might what? Share in his holiness. No disciple is. Is enjoyable while it's happening. No discipline, rather, is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there is a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are what? Trained, discipled in his ways. The problem in the church is that we haven't taken enough time to train or disciple people in the ways of God. Let's look here in this last slide. Hebrews verse 14, he says, Work at living in peace with what? Everyone. And work at living a what? Holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Those who are not producing the fruit of the Spirit will not see the Lord. Real holiness is an attitude of the heart and real holiness is an attitude that I must please God. Not man, but God. So let's say amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your spirit among us and Lord for the words that you have given us Lord we ask that you would open our hearts and minds that we might plant this deep inside of us Lord allow our minds to dwell upon it as we go about our week and let us gleam and gather from what you're trying to speak to us and this body of Christ and all those that may watch this Lord bless them Lord give them strength to understand and to have a Clear, not just knowledge, but understanding of Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray these things. And everyone say, Amen. Someone say, Amen. God. Be-